Awesome. Why don't we get started? Father God, we just uh, come before you, Lord, and we just surrender um, this night. Help us, Lord. Um, God, we're going to talk about some heavy stuff, some very convicting stuff. And Lord, we just pray that you prepare our hearts, God, for revealing what you would have here tonight. And um, Lord, would you just allow us to have what you um, would have in store for us, Lord? And would you just speak through, God, just the verses in the passage and... um, we just welcome you here tonight. Would you do whatever you want to do? In Jesus' name, amen. If you have a Bible, uh, turn to Galatians 5. We see the light at the end of the tunnel here in Galatians now. Galatians 5. Last week we talked about where is God. Um, we're talking about how we can't always expect for God to be this, you know, loud, clanging symbol, this huge, crazy, thunderous God experience, and how we need to be okay that sometimes God reveals himself through weird things, subtle things, consistent things, small things. And we need to be okay that we can't judge our relationship with God based on these, you know, big, huge emotional experiences, and that oftentimes the battle to experience God is to walk with him in the small details and to look for him in the small things. I totally believe that God shows up in, you know, aligning this little stupid purchase here. Um, I believe that he has a plan, a hope, and a purpose for each hour of our life. And so we talk about how sometimes that we get so caught up because we feel like God's left us. We don't feel the, the passion, the excitement, all those different things. And so that's where we left off in chapter 5 at verse 7. And that's where we pick up here tonight. It says, you are running the race so well, who has held you back from following the truth. It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I'm trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is. Who has been confusing you? Dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, Why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. Wow. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying each other. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. The key verse here tonight is going to be verse 13. It says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use it to serve one another in love. As we've been going through Galatians, it's been talking about how the real relationship with God is not a relationship of the do's and don'ts. It's not a relationship of go to church and don't say bad words and stay away from drugs or alcohol, those different things. 
The Galatians is talking about how God is a relational God who wants a real relationship with each one of us. That's the whole entire thing. And so what Paul has been doing here is he's talking back to the Galatians. He's saying, hey, peel back all this religious piety, all this religious ritual you've been doing. You have freedom. You have freedom to express your relationship with God in all these different ways. You have freedom to receive God's presence anywhere that you go. It doesn't have to be with four walls and a steeple. It can be at your work. It can be at school. It can be anywhere you go. He's saying, go and experience Jesus however you can. I've experienced God in crazy things from my passions. My passions, you know, I have a new one every week. It's bizarre. You know, this is the one of the, the week right now, which is great. But I feel like I've been able to connect God through the different passions of my life to, from motocross or surfing or, or hanging out with guys or, or whatever it is, slip and slides. It's amazing. It's cool. And so Paul in here, this is why we've been going through this book, is that he's saying, go experience God because God is everywhere. Where are you? Are you not receiving and feeling God when you go and do those things? Why not? And so as we come to this point, we've been banging this, this, you know, trumpet and the symbol of freedom, freedom, freedom. You know, get rid of that law. That law is lame. It's not about that. And we love freedom. And we've kind of been harping on religion. We've been, religion's bad. Religion's bad. Relationship, good. And that's what we've been going through for the past, gosh, four months here as we've been going through. But tonight is where it changes, because tonight we encounter, in this passage, the great Christian scam— This is where it all kind of comes together. Everything up to this point with all the freedom is excellent until we get to this one little tiny point is that we are all guilty of ripping Jesus off. Every single one of us. We are all ripping God off. We're all ripping off the price that was paid for our salvation. He's saying, you have freedom. You have freedom. Use it for good. Don't use it for bad. Don't use it for the things that are going to appease you and to hurt God. See, we love to kind of, you know, push away the, the do's and the don'ts because freedom is there and relationship is there. That's what's exciting. That's perfect. But the point is, is that as we unfold here tonight is that our behaviors often show that we really think very little of the price that was paid for us on the cross. We really think it was really cheap. We really don't think it was worth that much by the way that we live in, and we'll, we'll explain here. I do marketing for uh, a living and uh, help start businesses. And so oftentimes we have these brainstorming sessions where we get to talk about the different businesses and services and what do you charge and what do you do this. And every once in a while we'll have a business that wants to be free. That's always so problematic because a free product or service has zero value to people generally. They don't value it. If we have an option of saying it's either free or it's a dollar, a hundred times I will always say have it be a dollar because at least there's something on there. There's a little bit of a bite. There's a little bit of something there that's going to keep people connected. If it costs you nothing, it probably doesn't mean much to you either. It probably isn't going to mean much value to you. And so as we look at this whole free issue as it relates to commerce and my free dog, I love this dog. I got it free from a rescue. This is different. <laughs> I love that dog. We, we, we come and encounter because God's grace is free, and that's problematic for us because some of us don't feel the heavy price that was paid. I think that tonight as we 
wander through this that above all else, and I'll tell you where we're going to go, is we want to experience what the price and the gravity is that it 2,000 years ago when Jesus was on the cross, when our sins were paid for. We have no idea what that is, and tonight I want to get to the bottom of that. I want us to be able to kind of experience and, and be able to recognize what that price is. We have a few verses that relate to this. First Peter 2, verse 16. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. It means that God paid the price. We are his. If we have given our life to Christ, then he has paid for our lives. So don't use that for evil. Romans 6.1. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can give us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? I love that. It's calling us out. Should we keep sinning so that God would have more grace over us? More forgiveness? More grace? More favor? He's like, no. That's the complete opposite. You don't want to sin more so that God's grace would abound. That's the complete opposite. What we learn here from tonight is that our freedom is not a license to sin. It's not a license for compromise. Our freedom to experience Jesus wherever we go does not completely turn a blind eye to the very real struggles and challenges we face and think that we're above it. It's so easy that we don't like to get involved in, in dealing with our stuff. We don't like to look at, hey, we should, probably shouldn't do this. And the typical response is if I have a friend and it's like, hey, um, man, that stuff, maybe that's not the best. It's like, hey, you know, freedom. You know, don't judge me. You know, you're not supposed to judge. And that's always like the big one. Don't judge. And we, we, we claim this, like, freedom. We claim this, you know, I'm sanctified, I'm, you know, I'm covered, and all these different things. And so we have to walk a fine line where we're not walking into a license to mess up, and we're not giving ourselves permission to do so. I love it because this passage completely calls us out. We're busted. We're totally busted. We think that the Bible is all archaic. has no idea what we're doing now. We, we think we can kind of, like, maybe be smarter than this old stack of dead trees and these old guys who wrote some things. We think, ah, possibly, hey, I can, you know, make this to work my own advantage. I can have my cake and eat it too. I can do these different things. And so he's calling us out. He's saying, nope, I know you. You're busted. I know what you're thinking. You're going to enjoy this freedom, but you're going to use that freedom to walk yourself into compromise. You're going to use that freedom to go break God's heart. That's just your human nature. And he's saying, I know it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And we live in a hard time right now because, you know, back in this time, I mean, Jesus, you know, he died right then. You know, this was only a number of years later. We don't have that experience. We didn't walk with Jesus. We didn't experience him, you know, on earth. And so it was very real then. And for us, it becomes a little bit harder. But here tonight, he says, hey, you think you found a loophole? It's not a loophole. I love loopholes. I just met a guy tonight who works at the franchise tax board. I'm trying to figure out if he can limit my income tax. You know, it's like, help me out, man. You know, can you like just shred up that paperwork that when I send it in? I love loopholes. And it's, it's to my own detriment. I'm a total cheap guy. Uh, there's been different like motocross races that have taken place in different points of life. And I'm pretty ashamed to say that, that I've been doing this up until about maybe two years ago. 
And there'd be these different events and races, and so uh, I do a lot of graphic design. And uh, I do a lot of photography. Um, so I'll take like an image of one of these other races I went to, because I carried a camera around, and I'll pull it into Photoshop, I'll put on the name of the event there, and then I'll put in big block letters, VIP. I'll print it out, and I'll take it to Kinko's, and I'll laminate this little printout that I made on my home computer that says VIP for this pass. I put a little lanyard on it, and I walk through the gates, and I just flash this little VIP badge. I've been doing it my entire life. Skating this, like, $40 fee, right? Like, I could go buy a regular pass with not any issue, but there's something in me that compels me for the loophole because I know that that the guys that are working the gate are total tool sheds, and you just, you, you know, you just walk past them, and you, you flash it. No one's going to do anything. I know that. And so I've, like, I've even made it for other people. It's horrible. But I'm a loophole kind of guy. That's just how, like, I've, I've just always kind of been that way, and I'm ashamed of it, because God's saying, hey, you think you found a loophole with your freedom, and he's calling it out. One of the more uh, substantial loopholes that, uh, that I went through. I went to Westmont College. We have a couple buddies and, um, that I work with that went to Westmont, so they can vouch for this story. But uh, when I went to Westmont, I was a freshman in the dorms, and this is before cell phones and stuff were really uh, big and popular. And um, So anyways, so I didn't have a cell phone at the time, and long distance was super expensive. I mean, yeah, like the calling cards. Anybody know what a calling card is anymore? It seems like, you know, back in the ancient days. And so I had a long-distance girlfriend. I was a freshman at Westmont, total mess, because I'm, you know, away from, you know, this relationship, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. But I'm away from it, and I'm just like, I'm totally bummed, because I have no way of calling. I have no way of talking. You know, Instant Messenger was, you know, pretty new. So we had this, this phone in our dorm room. And I remember back that when I accepted to go to Westmont is they had a toll-free number. I was like, all right, you know, and I went to the admissions office, you know, where that phone line generally rings, and I go there, I pick up a phone, and like, I'm just thinking, it's like, okay, there's got to be some way in here. So then I like, I, you know, hit a couple numbers, and I got into this little, you know, directory. It's like, you know, enter the extension of where you want to go. So like, I don't have an extension. So I typed in my room number, 6508, and this starts ringing. It's like, all right. My roommate picks up. I was like, What? Are you kidding? So I can, you know, call from the admissions office, push a couple numbers, get in this little thing, and I can dial my extension to my room. I was like, golden, I'm stoked. So about the, the week later or so, I, I, I found out that, you know, if you called between 8 and 5, they have someone pick up the phone. So always someone was there to, to answer the phone. But after that, they had an automated voicemail. You just say, we're closed, leave a message. I found if I typed in the same codes, I got in the same directory, it allowed me to dial back to my room. My brain goes, like, toll-free calling for my girlfriend. All right. And I totally scammed this way in which not only my girlfriend, but all of my family. I mean, I give this to everybody. Our friends in Australia, our friends in the UK, everyone, whoever was in college anywhere, we gave them this hotline to get a hold of our dorm room because we were the place, you know, that had all the cool things going on. And I totally rationalized. I was like, oh, well, you know, the toll-free numbers, you know, it doesn't cost them anything. They pay it in bulk. You know, we're just, you know, it's free. You know, no one knows it's going to be gone. They're not going to see a bill or anything. So I go for about five months. Just, our phone is always on. And, you know, you're like, you're young, you're in a relationship, and you, you know, 
you keep the phone on to hear each other breathe. It's depressing. It's just so <laughs> stupid. You know, or just, you hang up. No, you hang up. It's like, oh, I'm throw up, you know. It grosses me out so much now. And so we had like five months of seriously, this phone is always off the hook. And then uh, I'm studying. And I, I hear the phone ring. I was like, oh, that's somebody. It's always somebody. And my roommate answers, and he's like, he just hands it to me. I was like, who is it? And he's like, just, just take it. Hello. Hi there. Uh, this is uh, John from Telecom USA. And uh, we've been trying to uh, find what's going on here. We have $10,000 worth of phone charges that Westmont College is refusing to pay because it's after their hours. Would you know anything about this? And this is where I realized that the, oh, you know, crap your pants, you know, expression is really not just an expression. It really feels like, ooh, I better hold on here, you know? I never knew that was like the really, like, where that expression came from. And I felt like all of a sudden, like, I am in so much trouble. What have I done? I've gotten this loophole. I've totally just, you know, charged all these bills. Westmont's refusing. Of course they are. They're like, no one's there to answer the phone. Who knows how this is going? The guy was irate. The guy was so angry. And they got it because they called the most frequent number, which happened to be my girlfriend's place. So they called there, and they're like, kind of told the story. And, and it took a little while for the gears to connect, but, you know, I got ratted out. You know, here's his number, and here's who he is. And total loophole busted. And so they basically said, we're going to make you pay this. I was like, oh, please don't. Please, please, I'm sorry. I, I totally thought it was okay. Please don't bust me. I like, I had no idea, you know. And so after a, a few phone calls later and supervisors, they, they finally agreed. They said, okay, we will drop the charges. I mean, they, they had some like section code, paragraph three, word four for what the crime this was apparently. Um, and they said, we will hold, put that on hold if you tell us how you did it. So I told them and, you know, I kind of gave them how it was. And, and then they called me about two weeks later and they asked me, they want me to test it. I was like, all right. So I tested it. I couldn't get through. So they, they barred it with me. They said, if you can help us fix it, help us do it, and promise that you'll never break through the phone system again, then we will forgive this debt. I was like, done. You know, I was like, that's it. And, but that's, that's kind of like a, a challenge. Like, I've kind of always been this guy that's like, man, oh, let's not pay for that. Let's counterfeit it. You know, that's just like my, my mentality, my, my excitement for life. It just generally does that, and it gets me in trouble. My freedom to be clever, to, to find these things out, my freedom to have graphic design, my freedom for these different things has is, is often gotten me in trouble, and I've used it for the wrong purposes. And that's been my life, and, and I have a bunch more stories like that. I'm not going to get into all of them now because we're recording, so maybe I'll tell anybody else later. All charges have not been brought yet, so... But that's been, you know, that's been my life. And so when I read this, I, I, I got as like, wow, Jesus has a relationship. There's something that's been paid for that we found a loophole and we're exploding. And there's a cost. We don't see it, but there's a cost there. It's kind of like the U.S. justice system in a way. You think that the, the laws of the land, the Constitution, you know, is, is to pervert, preserve you know, the, the freedom and the liberty and, and to uphold justice and to prevent injustice and to do these different things. And we look at how the, the law, the land, and, and 
And these things are set up to protect us. They're set up to keep the bad guys out and keep us in and do these different things. And, and, but yet, we look at the, the justice system and we see all these lawsuits. We see all these lawsuits. It's not people, like, being protected. It's people seeking their own. People going after uh, companies for frivolous reasons. And I love it that we have a couple amazing examples. I'll just read a, a couple here tonight. These are just, if you Google search uh, stupid lawsuits, you will entertain yourself for hours. I'll share a couple. There's a woman who's a psychic who went through the uh, little metal detectors at an airport. And she claimed that when she passed through the metal detectors that her psychic powers were removed from her. And she's suing the TSA for 50 million bucks. Perfect. Love that. Way to uphold justice, you know. There's another man. There's a robber. He was trying to break into a house. Fell through the sunlight. Landed on the kitchen table where there was a knife that was unsheathed. And he cut himself. And he ended up suing the homeowners. Are you serious? He won that one, yeah. I can't believe it. A convicted robber on parole entered a bank, went up to the teller and said, Give me the money. I've got a bomb. The bank teller did as he instructed, except that the teller put hidden rolls of money around an anti-robbery device that was lined with tear gas. The, the device functioned as intended, and the robber sued. Nice. Robert Lee Brock decided to sue the man he blamed all of his problems on. He sued him for $5 million. He sued himself. He claimed that the defendant, him, violated the plaintiff's, his, civil rights when the defendant, him again, allowed the plaintiff to get drunk. So he's suing himself for letting himself get drunk for $5 million. I don't, I don't get that. An idiot sued Michael Jordan because he says Michael Jordan looks like him. This supposedly caused people everywhere to approach him and ask him for autographs. He sued Michael Jordan and the founder of Nike, Phil Knight, for $832 million. Nice. This might be my favorite. This is in 1998. A Terrence Dickinson uh, of Bristol, Pennsylvania, was leaving a house he had just finished robbing by the way of the garage. He was not able to get the garage door to go up because the automatic door opener was malfunctioning. He couldn't re-enter the house because the door connecting the house and the garage was locked when he pulled it shut. The family was on vacation. Mr. Dickinson found himself locked in the garage for eight days. He subsisted on a case of Pepsi he found and a large bag of dry dog food. Mr. Dickinson sued the homeowner's insurance, claiming that the situation caused him undue mental anguish. The jury agreed to the tune of half a million dollars. So you rob a house, you lock yourself in, you eat Pepsi and dog food, which is all that's in our garage, too. It's hilarious. For eight days. How classic is that? Eight days. Oh, man. Perfect example. We have many things that are intended for good. Our freedom's intended for good. But there's consequences. There's things that people do to abuse it. And using our freedom with, with Christ is no different Romans 13, 14 puts it this way. I love this. And remember this. It says, don't make a provision for the flesh. Don't make a provision for the flesh. I think that can really tie into everything we're talking about here tonight. Don't make a provision for the flesh. This is just not don't do this. It's a little bit bigger than that. It's like, 
don't set yourself up for failure intentionally by accident. You know, there's, there's white and there's black and there's gray. And I think a lot of us, myself included, have lived a life where there's a lot of gray. There's a lot of gray. It's like, oh, well, I really intended, you know, well for this. And, oh, it just happened to, you know, not work out and happened to, to blow it. But, oops, you know, I had really good intentions, you know. When I think in reality, it's like, are we going to that party because we want to hang out with friends or because we know the party is going to have certain stuff there and, oh, well, maybe or maybe not something might happen. We'll see. Who knows? But I'm just going to the party. I don't know. How about watching movies? I was guilty of this one where it's like, you know a movie's got certain content in it? It's not really porn. You know, it's like, because it's a movie. You know, it's way different, you know. But you know it has the different scenes and it has the nudity, it has these different things. And, oh, I've heard it's a really good movie. I heard the, the acting that is just top-notch, you know. And you go to the movie because it makes you feel better, you know, because it's a little bit, you know, under the radar. I hate that. What about intentionally pursuing a relationship with a girl because you know sooner or later you're going to get what you want? That sucks. I hated that when we want something enough, when we're drawn to it enough, that we can totally rationalize everything. We can totally make every excuse for it. We can always come up with any explanation we want, as elaborate as we want. We can talk for days and hours about why these sequence events led to our compromise. And we can totally say, oh, didn't mean for it to happen that way. But in reality, our mind is thinking, all right, I can't do this overtly. I can't just go out there and, you know, go throttle stuck and and go just, you know, go into sin and compromise. We find it a lot easier to find that loophole. We find it easier to find the guise of freedom and no judgment and relationship and these things and, and orchestrate and map our sin, plan it. That's our loophole. Here's the challenge is that there's nothing inherently wrong with these things. There's nothing inherently wrong with a movie or with a party or, or dating relationships. There's nothing inherently wrong in there. 1 Corinthians 6.12, this is a verse I'm trying to memorize right now. It says, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible but I will not be mastered by anything. Always remember that last part. I will not be mastered by anything. It's a verse I, I hang out with the different guys and we talk about things and, and the things that master us as guys. It sucks. It stinks. And it's hard. We will not be mastered by anything. There's things that are, are perfectly fine. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. That was the story of my life, is that there's a lot of things I did, and maybe it wasn't all bad, but was it good? Certainly not. The main thing is that our freedom, as we read here in verse 13, I'll read it again. So as you, you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbors yourself. Our whole entire purpose is to love others. That's the whole entire reason we have purpose and freedom and relation. But that's the whole entire point is that we would love God and love others. I want to try and incorporate more Jesus into my life. I want to incorporate more of Jesus in these different areas that I'm passionate about. That's why we do the, the crazy activities. That's why we set up slip and slides and do hella skiing and do these different things. It's not because we want to do all this fun. It's because we want to have like other people that are not 
normally going to get drawn to four walls and a steeple to come and hang out. Like, we need to go to them. Jesus went to where people were at. He didn't say, hey, um, uh, my name's Jesus, and we have a church service that lasts only for an hour and a half. If you just come every Sunday, you know, everything will be good. No, he went to them. Jesus went out there, and he met them where they're at, and so that's why we do activities. It's for the purpose that we would love people by being around them. We don't need to thump them over with the Bible and tell them anything. Say, hey, God loves you. We're called to love others, and we express our love by slip and slides, or by dirt bikes, or by hikes, or by helicopters. It doesn't matter. Or by sidecars. I mean, it can be anything, but that is the whole entire purpose, is that it always comes back to love for others, or love for God. That is where our freedom has the walls. And the moment that we step into our freedom to satisfy our personal desires, our nature, it then walks outside the boundaries of love. It suddenly walks outside the parameters in which the ground rules for our freedom were set up. Now let me turn it one more notch on here. What about your personal freedom when your, your non-sin becomes a sin? What happens when something that is totally all right and totally acceptable for you suddenly becomes sin and comes back around? Not because you did anything wrong, because something else went wrong. When a non-sin becomes a sin, what does that look like? I think that we could change the, that verse and say, do not use your freedom to satisfy the sinful nature of ourselves. When a non-sin becomes a sin, it, it turns into, don't use your freedom to satisfy the sinful nature of others. Don't use your freedom to allow other people to stumble. I have a couple personal experiences with that. I've, I've shared before, it's like, I have zero addiction to alcohol. I have zero desire to get drunk. I've actually have never been drunk in my life, if you can believe it. I just don't like the taste. I can't see myself you know, paying that much money, because it's expensive. I'd rather have a Dr. Pepper any day to do that. And I don't know, it just doesn't, it doesn't ring with me. And I, you know, it's not bragging. It's just like I have other crud, but like that just isn't one thing for me. And I actually had my first drink of alcohol on my 21st birthday even. And it's just like stupid. So alcohol has never been anything for me. Like I'm never going to be tempted by it ever. Hopefully. But I just like, it's, it's not part of my DNA. It's not part of who I am. And so my, uh, my wife's family, they own a huge winery. It's great. I like wine with a good steak, medium rare, pepper on top. Oh, it's the best. I love a glass of wine with that. I love having a glass of wine with my wife when we get home and sit and we can dream. We can talk about our days. We can talk about the future. I love alcohol in certain scenarios. It's not a temptation for me. So we have a lot of free wine. <laughs> It's cool. I don't have to pay for it. Well, it works for me. You know, I'll have a glass for dinner. But here's where it suddenly became a little tricky. As we'd have friends over, and we'd be hanging out, and we'd have a bottle of wine open. Let's have two, because there's, you know, six or eight of us or whatever. And we have a great night. Well, that was fun. Everyone enjoyed it. It's great. No one, no issues. We do it again. Everything's fine. Maybe, you know, we opened that third bottle, I didn't have any, you know, but, you know, people got a little more looser. People got more comfortable. And the next night, and then the next week, and whenever. And suddenly I find that there's a person in the group that has a very real temptation with alcohol. 
And now suddenly my home where I have complete and total freedom to enjoy wine is now there's people who are getting drunk off of my freedom. There's people going into compromise and people going into an area that is a struggle for them because my freedom says it's okay. That's when a non-sin becomes sin. That's when it becomes my issue. And so you have to go through that. You pay those spankings. You know, it's like, oh, darn it. And it, it weighs heavy on me that we would create an environment with the best of intentions, but that that environment was the exact formula for other people's stumble and other people's vice, other people's issues. That's when my accountability comes into check with us. That's when my nonsense, my freedom becomes making a provision for someone else's flesh. And that's also wrong. It's not loving when I create an environment for compromise and stumbling for others. That's not love. Our freedom is always rooted in love. So I have two things tonight. I don't have any, like, solutions or anything just, just to say that this is the way it is. There's a loophole. We all use a loophole. And besides that, I just want to give you two things to reflect on. The first is that discipline's a good thing. Legalism is not a good thing, but discipline is a good thing. Discipline is, is, is not about the do's and don'ts. The, the discipline is about keeping your flesh in check. The last part of that 1 Corinthians verse is, I will not be mastered by anything. That's discipline. That's not legalism. We often think that freedom and discipline are at odds with each other, when in reality, they're not mutually exclusive. Freedom is not the opposite of discipline. In fact, freedom is the reward to discipline. You hear that? Freedom is the final reward for discipline. We have a, a guy who's part of our community. His name's Edwin. And uh, I don't think he's here tonight, but he just finished winning like four gold medals in this like local mountain bike, road bike race. What was it, Mike? Yeah, mountain bike. I mean, he won all these different classes. It's awesome. This guy's the man. So he won four, he won one. I mean, you think he has total freedom. He has total freedom in that profession, in that sport. Why? Because it took diligent training, diligent discipline. He had to discipline his body, his physique, his fitness, his endurance, his nutrition. He had to do all these disciplines. He had to do all these different things so that he would be free in his profession, that he would go and he would win and he would race. I love it. We have astronauts that can fly into space. The only reason they're able to do that is because they're following the rules and the disciplines and the, the path that has been set forward by other people who know. You know, you're an astronaut. You don't know, you know, why or why not to do something. You just know that someone has done the research. Someone has been disciplined to set it up. And so you follow that. You get to outer space and you get back and you're alive. Hallelujah. Someone's disciplined in that. That's awesome. Discipline has the final reward of freedom. And so as we look at this tonight, and we look at how we need to be on guard for this loophole, discipline is going to be something that will be really life-giving for us with that. If we're a loophole type of person like me, I need to be disciplined. I need to, like, have that conscience and say, I have to pay my franchise tax board tax. You know, I can't pay somebody else to get rid of it for me, you know. Like, I'm so tempted. 
we have to think of that. We have to be disciplined. We have to say, okay, I got to pay that tax. I have to work harder. I have to be more disciplined in my profession. I have to make the money to pay that tax. I owe that tax. That's the law of the land. Who cares if I don't care about that? I need to do it anyways. The other thing about freedom, too, as we look at this, is that true freedom is us being ourselves. But more than that, it's us to be the people that God made us, which is that we were made to love God and love others. That's true freedom. But we like to think that freedom is simply freedom from God, freedom from responsibility, freedom from others, freedom from rules, freedom from the do's and the don'ts. And we think that's freedom. That's not freedom. That is not freedom. Freedom is not being away from other people, being away from other things. That is bondage to your own self-centeredness. Did you hear that? Your freedom is not to be separated from different things. That is enslaving yourself to self-centeredness. If you think it's all about you, it's all about people getting off your back, it's all about, hey, this is my life and do this, that you think is freedom. But that's slavery to your own self-centeredness. We can have the band come up here. This is the last thing for tonight. This is not one of those easy one, two, three, just simply do this and life will be kind of happy and grand. You know? And it's just, it's calling it as it is. It's just looking at what we have and saying, man, this is a bummer. And we've got to be real with it. The second thing, and this is something that I really honestly have no idea how to do. I just know that we need to do it. This is not something that I've mastered. There's maybe moments in time where I've been touched by this, but I have no sense and no practical living out of this principle here in my daily life right now, and I need to figure it out. And that is this, is that we need to meditate on the gravity of the price that was paid for us. We need to think and dwell, and we need to meditate on that there was a life that was sacrificed for us. We think of how different would our life be if, if we were on the hill of Calvary and we are standing below the cross and Jesus' blood is flowing down his arms, his body. He breathes his last breath for our salvation. He does that. How differently would our lives be if we could feel that? If we could feel the gravity of that? Would we be giving things the side eye? Would we be walking ourselves and planning and devising our own fall? How do we find the gravity of that situation? How do we find it within ourselves to experience the pain and the price that is our lives that was paid? Jesus paid for our sins. It's free grace. Free grace, freely given to us. That's awesome. Lyrics of tonight, freely you gave. And sometimes that is the best thing, and that's also the worst thing, because I think that we look at it, we, we are challenged in our daily life, to attach value to that. We have a value issue. That when we exploit this loophole, it's because we aren't feeling the gravity and the price and the cost that was paid for our lives. That is going to be the single greatest issue with this one particular issue within our walk. As we try not to exploit freedom for our personal gain, that is the thing, is we need to try somehow find a way that we would begin to experience that. And maybe tonight we just ask that that God would just reveal that to us, would, would press that on us. Man, 
Your sins were paid for. Your life was atoned for. You are forgiven. That wasn't free. Why do we go and we choose to live a life of cheap grace? Isn't that what it is? We think, oh, God's going to forgive me so I can indulge in this right now because no matter what I do, God's still going to be there. That's cheap grace. I don't want to live a life of cheap grace. I don't want to live a life where we just automatically assume like, oh, well, you know, Jesus takes care of that. I'll be okay. I'm going to go indulge in this now. That's such a bummer. How do we find that? How do we get ourselves into a place where God can just impress on us that not only the price that he paid was high, but the reason the price that he paid was high is because our value is high with him. He loves us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross. It cuts both ways. That price is unfathomable because the value that God has for us, we are invaluable to him. Why don't we all stand? Lord God, we just come and Jesus asked, Lord, by whatever means, God, by whatever ways that you would be able to allow us to feel the gravity, Lord, of of who you are, what you did, God, the, the price that you paid on the cross, God, help us, God, tonight in our lives, our existence, our week, God, that we would feel, Lord, that, Lord, that we'd feel the price that was born on the cross for our sins. It is our sins that were nailed to the cross. And Lord, help us to not live a life of compromise. Help us, Lord, to not find that loophole. God, eliminate any rational thinking that we would do to somehow cleverly trick other people around us that we are not walking, God, and planning our own demise and our own sin. Lord, help us with that, Jesus. Would you move, God, tonight? I pray, Lord, for any heart any person here tonight, God, that needs to reconnect with you because, God, they are living a life that is totally exploiting loophole. Lord, that you would close that loophole in their life, that you would make that a sour experience, that there wouldn't be any pleasure, any joy in seeking that outlet and covering it up. Lord, help us, Lord. I pray we wouldn't be ashamed to say that that's who we are. I pray that we wouldn't have shame and say, I never do that, but we all do that. God, help us tonight. And may we experience it, God. Help us to not make a mockery of what you did on the cross, God, because that's how sometimes our lives live. Our lives proclaim that your grace, your salvation, that you've freely given to us is cheap and it's not worth our obedience. Help us, God, for that. Forgive us of that. Lord, do a work in us tonight in this group.